0: Welcome to the Homeschooling Families Podcast. I'm Leslie Nunnery, and I am so glad you're here. Today's podcast is really meaningful for me. I'll be chatting with Todd Nettleton, who is the host of The Voice of the Martyrs Radio and author of a book I'm currently reading entitled, When Faith is Forbidden. I am so excited for you to hear more stories about our brothers and sisters in Christ from all around the world. And I pray your heart will be as challenged and encouraged as mine has been. Stay tuned. I am so excited to welcome Todd Nettleton to our program today. Todd is with Voice of the Martyrs, and this is a group that I've gotten to know much better over the last couple of years that I that we've worked with them with teaching diligently. But you know, I was I was kind of headed idea of what they did before, but it is so much more than I ever knew. And I cannot wait for him to tell you all about that today. So, Todd, welcome to the Teach Them Diligently podcast.
1: Thanks so much. I have been looking forward to this time together.
0: So have I. I actually want to talk about your book in a minute, but I have been diving into that every day and just very eagerly awaiting the chance to talk to you about it and get more insight into the stories that you tell there. So I'm excited for you to tell them all about it. But first, I want to kind of back up a little bit. Can you tell us what Voice of the Martyrs actually is for those that may have just kind of the, the, the familiarity with it, maybe that I did, or even less than that?
1: Well, what most people see, most of the people who are listening, what they see of Voice of the Martyrs is what we do in the United States, telling the stories of persecuted Christians, sending out a free monthly magazine, producing a video every year for the International Day of Prayer for persecuted Christians, maybe providing resources, maybe a book, maybe a group study that your church is using. So a lot of people see that side of the ministry, but the other side of the ministry, and really I would say the most important side of the ministry, is Our international ministry serving and helping persecuted Christians. Uh, Last year, that was 1,800 projects in 75 countries. Uh, And that is anything from delivering Bibles to churches that can't get Bibles, maybe hiring a lawyer to represent a pastor who's been arrested in a place like India, maybe providing medical care to someone who's been injured in a persecution attack. That's what we do on the field. And uh, you know, there are some of those projects we can talk about publicly, and we do, and we'll we'll have, you know, some of the results of that in the magazine or on Voice of the Martyrs Radio. But there are a lot of those projects that we can never say anything about. That's it's it. just completely under the radar, right. and uh, to do so would put the recipient at risk. We certainly don't want to do that. But our ministry was founded by persecuted Christians. Pastor Richard Wormbrand, his wife Sabina. Richard was in prison for 14 years in Romania. Sabina was in prison for three years. They came to the West and began to share their story. And hey, let me tell you about three years in solitary confinement. Let me tell you about being beaten by the communist guards. But more than just kind of talking about themselves, they said, hey, there are still pastors in those prisons. And I hear that. You hear that. Christians hear that. And we say, There's well, there are still pastors in prison. How do we help them? That really is how Voice of the Martyrs was founded. It was founded to be the answer to that question. How can we practically and spiritually help those who are suffering for the name of Christ? And we're coming, we're on 50, I think 55, 56 years now of doing that. And so that that's kind of the genesis and that's what we do today.
0: That is amazing. And, and what I've found through working with Voice of the Martyrs and actually diving deeper in the resources that you have and learning, I, I've learned from Teach Them Diligently families who's gotten involved with you since conferences last year about the care packages and the different things that they're able to, to help to, to get involved with. But what I have found is that those those believers abroad that you tell the stories in your magazine, in your books, through your website, through the prayer guides, things like that, they are teaching me so much. I mean, I have learned... So much, I've had my perspective fundamentally changed. I have been grieved over my own pride and selfishness. The Lord has just used their stories and you're all telling them in a mighty way to to transform me. And I I think that's why David and I are so excited to, to help you guys get to more of these homeschool families, because... We believe that by introducing these stories to these families and to these children while they're young, that it can have a massive impact on all of us and possibly even prepare us for a day that's coming here that will look very different than our reality is now.
1: You know, I so agree with that. And I think back, my dad read to my brother and I the the books, missionary biographies, books mm-hmm. like Bruchko and Lords of the Earth and some of those books when you know, I think I was probably 10, 11, 12. My younger brother was two years younger than me. And every night we would read, you know, a few pages or a chapter of one of those books. And I really could kind of think of what I do at Voice of the Martyrs as having a direct line into those stories that I was read as a 10, 11, 12-year-old. And so when I hear about parents who are telling their children about what it looks like to follow Christ, when it's not popular, when it's not easy, when it's not legal yep. and, uh, and planting those seeds in, in those young minds, I get so excited about what God will do with some of that. And, you know, one of the things that I think if I told you, we're going to go meet a pastor in China who who's just been released from prison and while he was in prison, the food was terrible. And, and when he got arrested, they beat him severely and and I think the picture that most of us would have in our mind is, we're going to go see this pastor, and he's probably really discouraged. He is probably really depressed. You know, he's just been in prison. He's suffered this beating. It's good that we can go and cheer him up because, you know, we're coming from America. We have so much blessings. We're going to go cheer up this poor, sad, persecuted pastor. And what I found as I have gone to visit persecuted Christians is that they, they're not sad. <laughs> they're not depressed they're actually excited. They're excited about what God is doing. And uh, I just had a guest on Voice of the Martyrs Radio just last weekend who had a member of his congregation. He was a pastor of a church in Gaza. He had a member of his congregation martyred. Uh, The Bible Society, where his wife worked, was bombed twice. And he said in the course of the conversation, he said it was really a privilege for us to go through that time. It was really a privilege to know my friend who was killed for his faith in Christ. And I actually, in the middle of the conversation, I'm like, whoa, you, you got to unpack that a little bit because it doesn't sound like a privilege. It doesn't right. sound like anything any of us are going to sign up for. Sure. And yet here you are describing it as a privilege. That is the reaction of Christian after Christian after Christian that has gone through persecution and suffering is, uh, it is a privilege. And I think, you know, that shouldn't shock us. If you look in the book of Acts, The disciples were beaten and then released. And it says they left the council rejoicing that they had been counted worthy to suffer for the name of Christ. They were rejoicing that they had suffered. Uh, And it, you know, intellectually, it doesn't make a lot of sense, but it's the reality that somehow God shows up in those moments and God shows up in those situations and you you see him and, and you know him and you're experiencing him in a new way. And the result is joy. You're excited wow. about this new facet of God's character that you've seen. You're excited to know that even in a prison cell, he's there. He's with you. He can work. And so who we would meet if we went to meet that Chinese pastor is probably somebody with a smile on their face. And we would want to sit and listen to them and they would encourage us. We, we wouldn't go cheer them up we would come away challenged and encouraged by their story and by what they've experienced.
0: Yeah, it's it's amazing. I was I, ironically, which I you know use with air quotes there. Ironically, yesterday in our history class, my my only one that I'm still homeschooling and I were going through a lesson about martyred believers in the first century. So we were actually looking at at some of them and time after time after time. The quotes that we have from when they were perishing or things that were written about their demeanor and so on just echoes what you're saying there in such a way that we are forced to to reckon with the idea of what that grace that is exceeding and abundantly actually looks like in the moment of our deepest need. And we have all of these beautiful illustrations that we can look to of seeing how God does show up and how God works mightily to give peace and grace when it's unthinkable that you would have anything but horror and anxiety and fear.
1: Yeah, God shows up in in such an amazing way. And I think one of the stories that I tell in my book, and I love it because it illustrates this truth so well, is a lady I met in China named Sister Tong. And Sister Tong was hosting a house church meeting at her home and so she was arrested, she went to prison for 6 months and that was the penalty for hosting a house church. This is now like 20 years ago. So it's it's quite a ways back. But we went to see Sister Tong like 3 weeks after she had been released from prison. And so this experience was very very fresh in her mind and I was pretty new at Voice of the Martyrs and so I know, you know, I'm going to come back to America. I'm going to do radio interviews. I'm probably going to write a story for our magazine. Uh, we need to get the setting. So, so let's talk. Let's get the setting for Sister Tong's story. And so I say to Sister Tong, tell me about the prison. And the translator translates my question. And Sister Tong gets really what I can only call a heavenly smile on her face. <laughs> and she says something in Chinese. And the translator says, oh, yes, that was a wonderful time. And I, again, I was pretty new at Voice of the Martyrs. I looked at the translator and I said, now, are you, sh- are you sure you understood I was asking about prison? Yes, yes, I understood. Are, are you sure she understood? Because, you know, nobody describes prison as a wonderful time. Clearly, there's been something lost in the translation here. And he said, no, no, she understood. She understood. Okay. I said, okay, you better you better explain. And, and she just explained. She said, you know, Jesus was with me while I was in prison for that six months. He was with me in such a close way, such a real personal way. Every single day I experienced his presence. And she said, you know what else? While I was in that cell, when I got there, the ladies in my cell, none of them knew Jesus. And today some of them do know Jesus wow. because I got to be there. I got to be the one to introduce them. And so her attitude was Jesus was there with me. Jesus gave me a ministry to do. Why wouldn't that be wonderful? You know, if if Jesus is there and if he's giving me work to do, how could it not be wonderful? And yeah. that has just so altered my thinking and the way I and I. The challenge I give in the book is, okay, if a Chinese prison could be wonderful because Jesus is there and he gives you work to do, is it possible that a hospital room could be wonderful? Is it possible that unemployment could be wonderful? Is it possible that some hardship that we're facing could be wonderful if we would sort of borrow Sister Tong's classes and put them on and try to see, okay, is Jesus here? Does he have something for me to do here? Okay, then this is wonderful. And- it is so hard in the midst of those situations to have that attitude and to say, OK, boy, this is great, Lord. I'm so glad you've given me this incredible, challenging situation. But it, he shows up in those times in, in such an amazing way. And that's the story we hear from our persecuted brothers and sisters again and again and again is Jesus showed up and he gave me a work to do. He gave me a ministry in that time. It's
0: just amazing. I actually read the story about Sister Tong yesterday. And was going to ask you specifically about it. <laughs>
1: Perfect timing.
0: It was. It was because as you were describing it, my first thought before you even went on to say that you you know wanted to check the translation was was the translate did she, did he translate <laughs> this correctly? Because her reaction was so unexpected. But I'm seeing as I go through your book, which I want to talk about in just a minute, I'm seeing that over and over and over again. So we need to take just a little break here. But when we come back. I want you to tell us more about these stories that you have uncovered as you've discussed these things with with our brothers and sisters all around the world, because there is so much that we can all learn from them. All right, Todd. Before the break, we were talking about Sister Tong, and we we're going to segue into some of these other stories. But I wanted to introduce your book really quickly. I have a copy here. It's called "When Faith Is Forbidden: Forty Days on the Front Lines with Persecuted Christians." It's set up as a Really, as a it tells stories and then it's got a great journaling element to it. And I'm telling you, the Lord has done a mighty work as I've added that onto my my devotions every morning. I'm starting my day with my brothers and sisters abroad before I even dive into Galatians, where I'm studying now. And it's tied in really, really nicely too. I've I've enjoyed a lot of what God has has brought out for me in ways that I hadn't seen before. I want you to take a little bit of time now and tell us a little bit about how this book came to be and then share some more of those amazing stories that that you've been privileged to get to know some of these these men and women who have have so courageously and boldly stood for our father in very difficult places.
1: Well, oftentimes, I'm coming up on my 25th anniversary of Voice of the Martyrs. So just about 25 years ago, I I started working here at VOM. And fairly soon after that, I started to travel and go and meet persecuted Christians. And my job is to go and hear their story and document their story and then come back home and and tell their story, tell it in conversations like this one, uh, tell it in our magazine, tell it on VOM radio, you know, in different ways, tell their story. And what often would happen is I would come home from a trip and I would be in my Sunday school class or I would be with my Christian friends and I would start to tell about some of the people I had met on the trip. And somebody in the room would say, man, I really wish I could go on a trip with you. I really wish I could get on the plane and go and meet some of these people. That's really kind of the genesis of the book is, okay, you can get on the plane with me, but maybe through the pages of this book, you can come on a trip with me. Let's go on a trip. Let's go sit down every day and hear the story from a persecuted Christian. And so it is a, it's a 40-day journey. It's a 40-story journey. And my promise to the reader, and I, I think so far I, I haven't heard that the promise has been broken, <laughs> is if you spend 40 days meeting persecuted Christians and hearing their stories and thinking about, what, what does this mean? What does this look like in my American context, in my life, I think on day forty-one, your faith is going to look different than it did yeah. when we started our trip together. It, it, I don't think you can meet these amazing saints and then just walk away and be like, "Okay, yeah, I'm back to my I'm back to my normal life." You just can't do that. You can't right. get by their stories without the Lord saying, "Hey, maybe you need to think more about sacrifice." Hey. Maybe you need to think more about who you could tell about Jesus. I mean, someone is willing to go to jail for telling people about Jesus, and you're not willing to walk across the fence, you know, yeah. to your next door neighbor. And and I'm preaching to myself, too, here. It's So that's the genesis of the book is just, hey, let's let's go and sit down and meet and drink tea, drink coffee, and hear the stories of our brothers and sisters who have suffered for the name of Christ. And then, like you say, there is a journaling aspect to it to try to say, "Okay, Lord, what are you trying to teach me out of this person's story? I don't live in China. I don't live in Iran. I don't I'm not going to be arrested tomorrow for going to church. But there are some lessons that I can learn. What are you trying to teach me? And hopefully hopefully we've done that. We've tried to kind of ask some questions and provoke some thoughts And then allow the Holy Spirit to work there. There's a place in each day, as you say, for you to write, okay, what what am I thinking about this? What's God saying about this to me? So that hopefully you can kind of cement those things down and capture them while they're fresh in your mind.
0: Yeah, I had no idea that your purpose was really to kind of make us feel like we're going on a journey. However, I will tell you that the way that you tell the stories, even setting it up, Uh, sister tongue was so small and your wife kind of towered over her until you get this mental picture of exactly who you're talking to. And so the way that you set the stage goes a very long way uh, to helping me as the reader actually fit right in the story. And I'm so grateful for that because it has made it so much more impactful that, like I said, I finished 17 days and I don't think it takes 40 to have your faith challenged to the point that you're changed forever. I don't know how I could ever go back to viewing things the way I did before after just meeting 17 of these people. So, you know, I've got a lot more to go through, but God has already gotten my attention so profoundly. And I'll probably ask you about a couple of them specifically that I want some more details on. And then I'll let you (laughs) share a few. But I wanted to stop here before we, we go any further. Every week, for those who are on our newsletter list, we have partnered with you guys to do a section called Taste and See, where we we try to wrap some geography, some conversation topics, some activities to help you as you're presenting this material to your children to make those lands more real. So, for example, the very first one we did was India. And I just read a story about India a couple of days ago, and it... it rocked my world because there was a battle over a tombstone. And the fact that believers there, I'm not going to make it through the statement, that their tombstone is a marker, a testimony to the fact that they were a Christian in a land where bodies are burned because you just come back as something else was unbelievably impactful for me. And so I want you to tell us a little bit about that because I've already told my kids, I want i want to make sure I told it right, but then I want to encourage all of the, you who are listening in to start taking advantage of those tastes and see. They come out every Sunday night in homeschool subjects, but we will direct you to a specific prayer request from Voice of the Martyrs and tell stories and give you geography. It's such a good way to make this stuff real for your kids.
1: Yeah, that actually is a story that that I collected in the field. And we met this pastor and he told us the story that, one of his church members had died. He was a, a former Hindu who had come to faith in Christ and uh, the family wanted to bury him, which, you know, we, we kind of think, oh, yeah, of course they did. That, that's <laughs> natural. But what happened is the, the local Hindus came and they said, well, we understand your father has died. And so we're here to get the body for cremation, because that is sort of the Hindu end of life ceremony. They cremate the body uh, they typically put the ashes in the Ganges River and then, you know, it it kind of is part of their reincarnation and whatever else. Well, this Christian family said, no, we don't want you to do that. We Our, our father was a Christian. We're going to bury him. And the pastor actually went to to be with the family and, and took a beating. Like there was a crowd gathered around of angry Hindus who wanted that body. They wanted the cremation. The pastor was beaten by the crowd. And... You know, when he first shared this story with me, I'm a little slow and, and I'm kind of asked like, like if they why would you take a beating over a guy who's already dead? Like, like he was a believer. We know where he's gone. Does it matter that much what happens to his body that that you would take a beating over it? Literally. And and he's like, You don't understand, you don't understand. If they cremate that body, everyone in the community is gonna say, Did you see that? You know, we heard he was a Christian. There was rumors he was a Christian, but Obviously, at the end, he was a Hindu. Look, they're cremating his body. But if there's a grave and if there's a grave marker, that is a permanent reminder this man was a Christian. This man was not a Hindu anymore. He's a Christian. That's why his body is buried in the ground because he was a Christian. His children can go back to that. His grandchildren can go back to that. His great grandchildren can go back to that and say, look, our dad, our grandpa, he was a Christian. He's buried right here. He wasn't cremated. He wasn't a Hindu. He's a Christian. And once the pastor explained that, then I'm like, "Oh, okay. That makes perfect sense." Now I now I understand why you would take a beating over that. It's not about, you know, what's going to happen to a dead body. It's about a person's legacy as a yeah. Christian that that you're protecting. You're willing to take a beating to protect his Christian legacy and, and leave that permanent reminder. This man was a follower of Christ. This man was a Christian, and now there is a permanent reminder that 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 is true.
0: Yeah, I was I I was so struck by the fact. You know, I I live and have grown up in South Carolina, where everybody's a Christian, whether they are or not culturally. <laughs> whether you know, they know it where, or not, <laughs> exactly culturally, <laughs> it's still pretty Christian down here, and we take so much for granted. And that story really got my attention in a way that that in a different way than the others had. Another element of that story, though, that I thought was really impactful was as you were talking to this pastor, he shared with you how he had to take his thoughts captive and and make a point to forgive those who had beaten him so brutally. And so I appreciated the honesty there, because as we're reading through this, we cannot remove the humanity from these people that honestly... the they're just amazing in their stand, but they are fighting battles internally to forgive and to show grace just as they are accepting the grace and forgiveness from our father.
1: Yeah. And it's amazing how different believers fight that battle very differently. I think of the the widows of two martyrs in Turkey that I met seven weeks after their husbands were killed. And both of them on national tv in turkey the following day said i forgive i forgive the men who killed my husband uh, one of them actually echoed the words of christ on the cross father forgive them for they don't know what they're doing and i asked her about that and she said oh that to- that was totally god god just put that in my heart he didn't i didn't have a moment of anger i i never felt it's amazing. rageful or vengeful or then A different side of the story. Last fall, we had on Voices of Martyrs Radio, we had Pauline Ayod, whose husband was martyred in Gaza. And it took her five years to get to the point of forgiving. And it was a battle for her. And and she talked about in the the conversation, she talked about praying, God, I want to forgive these guys, but I hate them. I want them to burn in hell for what they did to my family. They killed my husband. And God brought her to the point of saying, I I forgive. I completely forgive. And she posted one of the men who killed Rami was captured and, and ultimately was executed. The night before he was executed, she posted on social media a message of forgiveness. Huh. And she said even some people in her family were like, do not put that online. Yeah. We want this guy to burn in hell. He, he killed Rami. We want him to burn in hell. And she said, "Nope, I felt like the Lord wanted me to post it. That message has been read hundreds of thousands of times all over the Middle East. And she said people have contacted her and said, you know, how amazing it is that you forgave. But also, I want to forgive. How do I do that? How could God help me do that? And so, you know, that that message of forgiveness is one of the best seed planters for gospel seeds. Yeah. Because from a human perspective, it doesn't make any sense. And from a human perspective, it's impossible. How how could you forgive the person who killed your spouse? How could you get to the point of forgiveness? And when you can say, no, that wasn't me, that was God. God empowered me to do that. Then it's like, well, God must be real. If if he can help people do that, he must be real. Maybe I should explore him further. Maybe I should pick up a copy of the Bible. Maybe I want to know more about this Esau Masih, Jesus the Messiah. Uh, If he can help you forgive, I want to know more about him and that we see that working. In fact, I mentioned the the widows of the martyrs in Turkey. There was a a journalist in Turkey, a Muslim journalist in Turkey, who said those two widows by offering forgiveness on national TV, he said they did more for Christianity in Turkey than a thousand missionaries could have done in a thousand years. Wow! Which when you think about that, that's a Muslim saying that. It is mind blowing how God uses forgiveness to, to open the eyes and open the hearts of people who are who are just looking on and thinking, how could you do that?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Forgiveness squelches anger. And so much of what we see around the world is so fueled by anger. And, you know, all of these, the persecution, the, the rhetoric, all of this stuff is just fueled by anger. And it's amazing what God can do when we submit our lives and submit our heart and our will to His, even in the times that are so unbearably difficult. And for for some of those listening here, that is, you know, a child with cancer. That is, you know, losing a spouse unexpectedly, you know, just but but what God can do when we submit our will and accept His grace and then and then that out and display that for others is just mind boggling. God truly does work things together for his good or for our good and his glory. If we just allow him and get out of his way. Yep. (laughs) Well, well, Todd, tell us about a little or a few of the other places that you've been like, what are some particular areas now that are, are, are getting more difficult? Maybe that you aren't even allowed to go anymore, uh, and and some stories that you've you've extracted from there,
1: you know, one of the places I, I think if if we want to talk about places that have gotten more difficult, we need to talk about Afghanistan. Uh, mm-hmm. obviously, uh, with the u s. pullout with the Taliban takeover, it has become more difficult. But the important thing to understand is it's always been difficult to be a Christian in Afghanistan. it the the first line of persecution there is not whoever's in charge of the government. Uh, The first line of persecution is your dad. It's your big brother. It's somebody in your family who says, listen, we are a Muslim family. If if you say you're a Christian, that's going to bring shame on us. All of our neighbors are going to wonder what's going wrong with our family. You have to come back to Islam or you can't be a part of our family. And so that's where persecution starts and has always started in Afghanistan. But now, in addition to your family, you have the Taliban. Uh, And the Taliban just not very long ago issued a ruling to all of the judges in Afghanistan to fully enforce Sharia law, which means for a thief, you get your hand cut off. For an adulteress, you get stoned. For an apostate, for someone who leaves Islam, you are executed. And uh, the, the rule is you get one opportunity to return to Islam. And if you refuse, then you are to be executed. And the Taliban, like I say, they have issued a decree to all of the judges in the country. This is the law. You must follow it. You must fully enforce it. Uh, and literally the, the first public execution that happened after that ruling went out, one of the Taliban's top officials actually attended in person to see the execution. Uh, wow. So not only are they issuing the decree, they're literally showing up to show their support for this policy and show this is how we want things to be done. So. Christians in Afghanistan know they they know that their lives are at risk. They know that that even their own families can be a danger, can be a threat to them, uh, and they have to be so so careful. One of my favorite stories: a church service in Afghanistan uh, might be three guys in a taxi uh, with an audio Bible or an audio sermon or some Christian music, and if you were to look over and see them, you would say, "Oh, there's three guys in a taxi." You would never know. There is three Christians who are worshiping Jesus together and growing in in faith together because they have to do something like that. That that is completely explainable, completely unnoticeable. Wow! Uh, and so it might be driving around in a taxi, and that's how you have your worship service. That's how you gather with other believers because that's that's the safest way to do it.
0: Wow! Wow! And thank God He gives us creativity. I mean, to Amen. get the idea to do that, and some of the other ways that I've heard of believers gathering or moving from place to place. The creativity that our Father gives us is truly astonishing and another gift that I think we just take for granted, along with the ability here in the States to gather wherever we want to, with as many as we want to, and sing as loud as we want to, without any fear of repercussion. And I just, I pray that coming out of this and the resources that you all put out there, that... Those who are listening in will no longer take that for granted, that that will be every time we are able to gather with our brothers and sisters in Christ, that that will be a source of intense celebration because we recognize what a privilege and what a joy it really is.
1: I agree 100 percent. The other thing I would point people to when you open your Bible, we should have a spirit of celebration like, hey, I have God's word. I literally, I have multiple translations in my pocket on my phone right now, Right. and I can pull it out and access it any time, day or night. There are people in the world who are praying and have been praying for years that they might someday possibly have their own copy of God's word. And we so take it for granted that that, oh, of course I have a Bible. Well, I've got three Bibles on my phone and I've got 10 on my shelves. And it is such a blessing and such a privilege. And I hope that as, you know, as people take up their Bibles here in the next 24 hours, I'll be like, do you know how special this is? Do you (laughs) know how amazing it is that we have God's Word and we can access it and we can, you know, read it anytime? We need to remember that and and celebrate and and praise the Lord for the freedoms that we enjoy.
0: Amen. Amen. And and make sure our children understand that we have such an opportunity as moms and dads to instill in our kids a love for God's word, for God's people, and especially for the Lord himself. And that is part of the tremendous call that we have. And those of us who are listening here in the States really have so many, so many resources, so much opportunity to do it that we, we had better be taking that seriously. And I hope this has been encouragement to you in that. Todd, we are just about out of time. I would love to have you tell me stories all day long because I am, I love to hear them, but I know that there are a lot of ways that we can get the stories. So, would you tell us briefly some of the different ways that we can connect with Voice of the Martyrs and then also where we can find your book, Where Faith is Forbidden?
1: You can find the book wherever books are sold, or you can get a copy from Voice of the Martyrs. Our our website is persecution.com. So it's a pretty easy one to remember, persecution.com. And uh, the book actually, I think, is on the front page. And it's free to anybody who makes a donation to BOM. So you can make a donation of any amount. We'll send you a copy of the book for free. You can take this 40-day journey with me. Uh, the other resource that i would really encourage people and and literally as we're taping this it just went live 24 hours ago we have a brand new app for your phone and uh, so it's called the VOM app it's, it's available in the app store you can download that and it includes access to multiple books my book is one of them some of the wormbrand books are in there as ebooks as audiobooks as other things It also includes a daily prayer request so that you can pray every day for persecuted Christians around the world. It includes access to the videos from Voice of the Martyrs, including video for children specifically. Um, So I know parents will want to access it. And maybe my favorite part, it includes access to Voice of the Martyrs Radio. So every week you can listen (laughs) to our radio broadcast. You can meet some of these Christians and hear their stories. So, and again... It has just been completely rebuilt from the ground up. It is brand new. And I love people to go to the App Store and download just called the VOM app. If you search for VOM, it'll come up.
0: I am so excited. I will get that as soon as we get off of here. And I wanted to to add to what you were saying. If you want to participate in the Taste and See uh, vignettes that we have in our Sunday emails, then I invite you to go to teachthemdiligently.net forward slash VOM. That's a quick link to download their prayer guide, which is phenomenal. You need to get that prayer guide and just keep it with you all the time. But we reference that prayer guide in those weekly Taste and See uh, little vignettes that we do. So so you're going to want to get that resource to help you along your way as you and your family deep dive into the culture and the geography and really the reality for our brothers and sisters in those various places that we cover so go to teachthemdiligently.net forward slash BOM to get that prayer guide, but make sure that you get their app. I'm super excited to download it, make a donation, get the You're going to want to get the physical copy of When Faith is Forbidden because you're going to want to work these thoughts out. And honestly, you're going to want to keep it handy so that you can go back and read these stories again. I can definitely see me looping this many times before I am finished with it, so Todd, thank you so, so very much for joining us today. It has been a privilege to hear these stories and I'm just excited about what you guys are doing.
1: Well, thank you so much. It's been a privilege for me. I I love to share these stories. So I'm excited when God opens the door for me to do that. and, And thank you for your time today as well.
0: Well, you are welcome. To everyone who's listening in, I am confident that this has been a challenge and an encouragement to you. I encourage you to put legs to all the little thoughts that God has put in your head as you've been listening to this. Go download their app, go get their prayer guide. We're gonna list all of those links in the show notes so you can easily access all the things that we've told you about, but make sure that you connect with them. This is an organization that will encourage your heart while also they are ministering greatly to those in need all around the world. So have a great rest of your day and I look forward to talking to you again real soon. Thank you for joining me today. It's my prayer that every episode of the Homeschooling Families podcast helps to strengthen your family by giving you biblical and practical ways to raise your children and educate them well. We'd love to engage with you more. So check out teachthemdiligently.net to find out about the resources and experiences we offer Christian homeschooling families like yours all year long.